Hey, Strategy Simplified, it's Japheth here. And I'm quickly popping in to tell you about Strategy Sprint. Strategy Sprint is a week-long virtual consulting project that allows you to add US-based work experience to your resume. So you work in a small team, you get mentored by a former McKinsey, Bain, or BCG consultant, and you solve a strategic growth issue for a real-world client. So that means you gain incredible skills and experience that looks amazing on your resume. We are running several sprint projects throughout this year. Check out the dates and the link to register at the link in this episode's show notes. We look forward to welcoming you to a future strategy sprint project. A user submitted a question. How do you set up your personal finances when you're starting a new job? So I brought in Naman today and we had a pretty spicy conversation about ways that we thought about finances differently and ways that we agreed. It was really cool to talk about some of the differences, but also to think about the three major areas where we focus on our finances. We hope you enjoy the content. Today, I'm really excited to bring you this episode, which is based on a user request. How do you set up your finances when you're starting your first job in consulting? It's part of our greater three-month mastery process, but this specific question, I brought in a local expert, Naman Mian, who's a member of our team, to talk about how he started his career, how I started mine, and then what we've evolved to think about today. At the end, we'll talk about how we think you should go through your finances to optimize for the goals that you'll set as well. Naman, thanks so much for joining me. Look forward to the fight today. I'm always up for a good fight. Thanks, Jenny Ray. Amazing. Well, first, why don't you start? Just tell us a little bit about how you thought about finances when you got your first professional job. How'd you set them up? What did you optimize for? Did you use any rules? And then I'll share a little bit about mine. Yeah, absolutely. I I think that money and finances are a tool that you use to build the life that you want. And so I thought about the goals that I had for me and for my family and really my goals were all about financial security, so I'd never have to worry about money again. And so I thought about money in terms of three buckets. The first bucket that I thought about was investing. The second bucket I thought about was saving. And the third bucket I thought about was spending. I found often as I've worked with people and talked with people about their own finances, they underestimate how difficult it is to determine how much they should spend. And so as we talk about finances, it's important to talk about saving and investing. Equally, it's important to talk about spending. And I find that guidelines work really well for me. I am somebody who wants to make a limited number of good decisions, but then have those decisions be automated moving forward. Let's talk about your outfit. Is that a go-to every day? Go-to. Black t-shirt, black jacket, black jeans. I'm a big believer in the fact that we, most of us have a limited number of good decisions we can make every day. I'm not going to waste one of mine on my wardrobe. So I, I feel the same way about money. I want to spend a handful of hours a year optimizing my money system and then live the rest of my life outside of my spreadsheets and actually go enjoy my life. Love it. Okay. So when you got your first job, what were those percentages? What rules did you put in place and where did you actually put the money? How did it work? Great question. So I thought about my after-tax income in those three buckets. And the way that I thought about it was I wanted to spend 40% of my after-tax income on my needs. So rent or mortgage, car, uh, gas, insurance, et cetera. I wanted to spend- Did you buy groceries or no groceries? Yeah, sometimes. Mostly takeout when I was single, I have to be honest. <laughs> so, uh, and then I wanted to spend 40% of my after-tax income 
on savings and investments. I wanted to give 10% away and I wanted to use 10% on wants or luxuries. And so just to recap for everybody, that was 40, 40, 10, 10 is the way that I thought about splitting up my after-tax income. And did you divide it into different accounts? Did you just do that based on your discipline? Where did you actually put the money? When you got it, where did it go? Yeah, that's a great question. So my first job was away from home. And so the first thing that I did is I set up an account with a national bank where I could have access to my money anywhere. And I had all of my income coming to one account. I know some people believe in sinking funds and having sub accounts. That's never really worked well for me. I am disciplined enough to follow the plan and the budget that I've laid out. So from the checking account, which is where all of my income came, I then distributed money to where it had to go. So money to investments, money to high yield savings accounts, money to uh, giving. Uh, and so I used my checking account as my master account uh, as the pass through. And then the money in the amounts that it needed to went to different places, whether it was a Roth IRA or a Roth 401k, whether it was uh, high yield savings accounts, and we can get into recommendations if you want a little bit later, uh, whether it was uh, paying off the credit cards, we can talk about how uh, I put almost all my spending on different credit cards. Uh, but that checking account became the hub for my personal finance. I feel like this is more of a project management question versus a financial question. And by the way, you're not a financial advisor, neither am I. So not making recommendations for what people should do or what accounts they should open, but in general, just talking a little bit about our experience. How did you know that you weren't going to miss something? Did you have a day every month that you went in to do your financial activities? Did you just, when you thought about it, do it, but have the discipline to know that you had done it enough? Was there a specific way that you just made sure nothing got missed? So I'm a big believer in automation. So again, I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, I want to make good decisions once and then have those decisions carry on without me having to make the decision again and again. And automation is the way that you do it. So I automated my investing. I automated my giving. I automated my bill pay. Uh, any recurring expense or investment that I had was automated. So I could go in once a year, maybe check my accounts, make sure my allocations were where I wanted them to be. But then I knew for the rest of the year that the big stuff was right and it was taken care of. I love it. Well, I'll talk a little bit about what I did when I was at Bain because it was a bit different, but also I was in a pretty structured environment. I grew up in a house where my dad was the senior vice president for a public company of compensation and benefits. And so since the time I was little, we talked about health care and retirement plans at the dinner table. So I was ready to go because that was one of the reasons why I got the job. They had a retirement plan and great health benefits. And I didn't think about all of the other pieces around that. So when I set up my first paycheck at Bain, they kind of gave us a form and said, hey, where do you want the money to go? I made it pretty simple for myself. I actually did it almost in the reverse of what you did. So I took the retirement amount first and I just said, I want to max out whatever retirement I could get. So I put whatever the maximum was that I could put in retirement. I knew that they were matching. I put in more than what they matched and I just went for the maximum. And then I had the rest of it distributed out to a checking account. And 
from that checking account, I had one credit card. My family was super disciplined in the way they taught us about money. So I had no credit cards when I was little. I had a debit card when I was in college. And then this was the first time that I got a credit card, but I had treated it for a season like it was a debit Debit card. And so for that, that was super helpful for me. And I was able to put everything into the one account. And then kind of like you, I automated a lot of the things that were coming out of it. I think what I missed is that I didn't think about some of the additional investing I might want to do. That's something I'll talk about in a minute. But I didn't think about putting money into another account and intentionally working on investing it outside of my retirement. I was pretty good about giving, but I didn't think about allocating an amount of my total salary. I just gave to one location. I gave it to my church. And so when I did that, it made it simple, but I actually have wanted to become more of a giver over my lifetime. So that was a different thing. And then the rest of it, I actually didn't know how to live comfortably inside that space. I knew how to live small. So I always had extra money. But I never knew what I should spend money on and what I shouldn't. And so I drove the worst car at Bain. I lived in the worst apartment. I lived in places and did things that were not as nice as other people because I never really felt comfortable with how much money I was making. So I think there were a lot of learnings from that process. But ultimately, I did save a lot in my retirement account. And I built some discipline, but I didn't necessarily think about the underlying lessons. And I would have liked to have done both. Do you regret the decisions that you made? Would you go back and actually invest a little bit less in retirement and get the nicer apartment or the nicer car? Or do you feel like it was worth the short-term pain for the long-term gain? So what I regret is that when I was setting up the systems, I didn't think about how they were great for my life. I thought about how they were great for that job. And so I think everything that I did when I was at Bain financially made a lot of sense. When I left, I had a savings runway because I just hadn't spent money, but not because I had intentionally saved. And I had a retirement runway that has actually been very helpful as a baseline for the rest of my career. What I regret is that I didn't keep up those habits in times of uncertainty because I went through a a number of seasons of them. I worked for a startup that I helped to fund. I worked for a startup where we got funding and then I bought a company and I bought real estate and some of those things. In each one of those seasons, I didn't think about the under principles. So that's what I regret is that I didn't have as much of a why as I would have liked for that season. I think that's a great point. I think the why is what gives you the motivation to keep going in times of uncertainty or times when you're feeling a little bit more emotionally fraught. I think that's what people miss about personal finance is that it's at its essence, it's personal and you can't remove emotion from the decisions that you're making. You can't become a robot. Otherwise, you won't have the motivation you need to carry those things through for the rest of your life. That's good. So let's talk about one thing we haven't so far, credit cards. You mentioned you had one and I had one. Let's talk about how we picked the ones that we first yeah, started with. Absolutely. So the way that I thought about everything is what what are my goals? What are the outcomes that I want? And for me, I think about credit card rewards in, in two buckets. So the first is, do I want a card that gives me cash back? The second is, do I want a card that gives me travel rewards? And I know that there are more categories out there than that, but those were the two that were the most compelling to me. And so at that point in my career, I was single, I didn't have children, and uh, travel was important to me. And so I picked a travel rewards card. And uh, the one that I ended up starting out with was the Chase Sapphire Preferred, which is uh, still one of my favorite cards today. I've upgraded from that to the reserve now, uh, but found that to be a really manageable annual fee. Uh, But 
I knew that I would take advantage of the rewards and the offers that it gave me, and I would get more money from that card than what the annual fee was, was costing me. So that's where I started. I love it. So I started out with just an American Express because I had my debit card, which was a visa. And I knew you needed both if you were traveling internationally. I'd spent a lot of time internationally. But the American Express card was through Delta because I lived in Atlanta. And so there was only one airline that made sense to pick. I put a lot of my travel budget on on Delta and that made a lot of sense for me. I think I thought a lot more about the value of the bonus at the time when I signed up than I did about the ongoing earnings. And that's been a learning for me over time is that there are a lot of credit cards that I've thought about at the beginning, but not about how I want to spend on them over time. But I still have an American Express with Delta today. It's been a long running card in my credit cards portfolio and something I've been really glad to have. Okay, so let's talk now about what we would do differently. So now, do you do something differently that you didn't do then? Absolutely. Let me just leave it there. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing that I do is I bend the rules a lot more. So early in my career, 10 years ago, I stuck much closer to the guidelines that I laid out at the top of our conversation today. And it was good for me at the time to build good habits and good for me at the time to prove to myself that I had the discipline to stick to the rules that I wanted to create for my own life. Good. Now, I am much more willing to spend more than I than I perhaps wanted to on luxuries or wants. I know that I've given myself the buffer to be able to do that. Uh, I know that if I wanna bump my investing up for a season, I'm able to do that. Uh, so I've given myself flexibility within the boundaries that I've laid out to build the life that I want. So that's the first thing that I've changed. The second thing that I've changed is I've actually upped my generosity. So one of the goals that my wife and I have is that we never give away uh, less money this year than we gave away last year. And so how can we build a life that allows us to meet that personal goal that we have? And so that means that we have to either up our income every year and or adjust our budget and our priorities every year as well. That's amazing. I'll talk about mine because there are a few of them. This is one that I talked about a lot actually in my money camp and money makeover sessions last year, which I did for free with a lot of the members of our community. I was shocked to find out how few people thought about buying real estate because real estate has been such a significant wealth building tool for my husband and I. And I think back to when I was at Bain and I too was in their same position. I didn't know where I was going to end up. I felt like the world was at my feet and the idea of renting felt like flexibility to me. And I really missed out on some real estate opportunities, not only financially, but also just the learning curve of real estate. One of the things that I've seen now is that a lot of people who begin to invest early become good investors in their second season of life, not because they began to invest well, but because they learned and then they didn't, when they had to take bigger risks, worry as much about what the downside was going to be. And that's been true for us as well. So I didn't have any of that money allocated toward real estate. It was only allocated toward rent. And I didn't think of real estate as a savings class or an investment class. I just thought of it as a housing replacement. That was a mistake that I made pretty early on. I also didn't really invest as much outside of my retirement fund. I wish, and what this is something that I actually only have started doing in the last two years, but I said, my retirement is not going to be all that I want to live off of. And I have real estate investments and I have business investments, but I want to have 
outside investments in markets or stocks or index funds that are separate from my retirement. I think I should be putting more in, even though I'm pretty extravagantly funding my retirement accounts. Why not do more? And so I've developed the discipline now to pick a number every year, stick with it every month, and then keep that going and then pick some kind of asset to purchase. So those have been a few things that I've changed on purpose. I'll mention the generosity one too. I was pretty good about mentally checking the box with my generosity when I was younger. I felt like I'd done it and that was enough. And the rest was for me. I think really differently now. Anyone who asks me, I give. And I have three different amounts. I just choose which amount it is that I give. That's made it a lot more fun to become a part of a broader community. I feel less responsibility for what other people do after I give. I was pretty I was pretty controlling, honestly, if I think about it earlier in my career, about the way that my investments went into other people's pockets. And it's helped open up doors to relationships that I never imagined. And so that form of generosity for me, just saying, oh, you want me to give? Absolutely. I'd love to give. Even trying in some cases to be the first one to give. That That's changed my personal perspective on community and it's really been a benefit. So those are a few of the things that have evolved for me. I love that. That sounds like an abundance mindset instead of a scarcity mindset. We've been working on it. Let me tell you, it's a journey. And I think one of the things you mentioned about real estate is one of the areas where we disagree a little bit. So for me, I view real estate as a wonderful asset class, but not one that I necessarily have to be exposed to more than I'm already exposed to in terms of the index funds that I'm that I'm holding. Uh, and so I waited to buy my first house. I rented for a long time because I liked the flexibility. I did the math early on the total cost of home ownership, and it was much higher than what I was paying in rent. Uh, it was a much higher- uh, We did that together, I think, yeah, right? Yeah, and a, I convinced you to not buy it, as early as you might it, have been it able was, to. It was a much bigger headache than renting. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that, that I hear a lot of people say is they feel like they're behind if they- don't buy a house or if they're not investing in real estate. And for me, again, one of my philosophies when it comes to personal finance is how can I get the greatest amount of return for the lowest amount of friction? And to me, real estate is not the thing that gives me that. Uh, I get probably a little bit lower return for my equities than you do from your real estate, but for much less effort. And so my financial goals are not just to maximize return, it's to balance like output and input. Yeah. And so I found that equities were the best way for me to do that. And when it did come time for me to buy a house, I didn't buy it because it was a financial decision so much as it was the right decision for my family. And I think that makes sense. There are two things in real estate that have changed my perspective. And this is advice I give to everybody. I think you should either own the house that you live in and nothing else or own four or more rentals. Because there is an economy of scale in rentals that does make the friction worth it. And one rental isn't it. Two isn't it. Sometimes four, honestly, isn't even it. Uh, the second thing is that I, what I didn't realize early on is that with real estate, you can use leverage. When you go and buy an equity, you can buy as much as your cash can afford for you. But for me, I can buy eight times the house or I can buy 100% of the house and get 100% of it back when I leverage it. I try not to over leverage, and I think I've been very conservative in my overall portfolio, but the ability to do that actually does change the return profile of real estate. And that I didn't realize, but I do think it's a choice. You either do it well and a lot, or you don't do, or you it, don't at do it at all. Because yeah. either way, you're, you're, you're investing in the asset class and in the learnings and in the overall performance of it over 30 years, tax advantage, or you're just focusing on 
building the life that you want in another way. And either one, I agree, is good. But there is, I think, an advantage to doing that if you do it enough. So there's a lot more that we could talk and fight about, and we'll have to save that for another conversation. But let's wrap up today by just talking about the advice that we would give uh, folks who are starting their careers today. And Jenny Ray, I'll let you go first. Uh, if there's because you want to see if you can disagree with me? 100%. I get this. Okay. Awesome. So if I were starting my career today, I would do a lot of the same things I did. I would look at the retirement plan offered to me by the employer. I would first make sure that they had a match in there. But as long as they did, I would set up a Roth IRA outside of my employer if I was in the U.S. or something similar in whatever country I was in. And then I would maximize my retirement. And I wouldn't think twice about it. I would just work the rest of my budget after I had done that. I would put all of that money, by the way, into a super simple fund, like a target retirement fund, because one of the things I've realized over time is that I don't make as much in there as I do out here. And so if I can just minimize my effort there, that's good. Then the second thing that I would do is I would say, figure out one or two credit cards that you're planning to use, but set a limit and actually put it on the card. So set the spending limit that you're willing to spend. It's not the amount that the card will give you. That's a different number, but you can set the limit that you're willing to spend on the card. And I would actually do that as a discipline when someone's getting started, because I hate to see somebody erode their financial future based on decisions that they make that they didn't do intentionally. And I think credit card usage is one that I've seen with that. Uh, the third is that I would probably recommend buying a car if you have are in a car located place that's not expensive and that you don't borrow on, especially in today's interest rate environment. So a simple car that gets you where you need to go using a cash bonus for that and just paying it off takes it out of the equation except for gas and maintenance, et cetera. And then the last thing I would do is I would decide how much you want to spend on different categories and automate as much as you can. That's how I would do it, but I would do it specifically in that order. I love that. I think that's great advice for people in their 20s who are just starting out with their first career. I'll add to that and I'll say uh, one of the things I would 100% recommend you do early on is identify the metrics that matter to you and the outcomes that matter They're to so you. so deep and meaningful, yeah. introspective. <laughs> so I feel like uh, we should be drinking tea while we're talking about this. We should this. be. I'm always down for a good cup of tea. Uh, so is your credit score the metric that really matters or is it your savings rate? And I have a perspective on that and I could sit down and tell you, but you need to decide for yourself, what are the numbers that really matter to me? And then how do I reverse engineer from there, a process and a system that gets me to the outcome that I want? So the first thing we have to identify is what, what our goals are. Second, I would say focus on the big decisions. Those will drive 80 to 90% of your outcomes. So if you invest in retirement and starting it and just investing in something is better than getting your asset mix and your asset allocation 100% right. Just do it. That's a big decision. That's a big driver and lever uh, that you can pull for future success. Uh, is going to be more important than getting all the little details right. Somebody once told me that time in the market is more valuable than the, the timing, timing of the, the market. market. Super true, 100%. right? Yeah. So start early, be consistent, you'll be okay. And that's a big decision that you can get right today. And if you get that right today, it's not going to matter as much how much you spend on a cappuccino every day on your way to work. So get the big decisions right. And then the third thing I would say is think about the future. So one Ooh, of, I didn't talk about that. So one of the, the reasons that I care so much about personal finance and about money is not because I want to be a billionaire, but it's because I want the flexibility. I'll take it, but it's not the, it's not the goal. I, I want the flexibility to build the life that I want. 
I want to feel like that I can have kids when I want to have kids. I want to feel like that I can go and start a business when I want to start a business. I want to feel like I can move to wherever I want to move when I want to move. So what money gives me is options. And the way that I define wealth is the ability to choose amongst multiple options. That's what wealth is. It's not a dollar amount in the bank. And so when I think and plan for the future and set up these systems, I give myself the flexibility to save more money and have cash on hand when we're pregnant and about to have a baby. I give myself the ability to take a career risk and move to uh, a startup environment like you did, or to take the plunge and start my own business. I give myself the ability to go live in Europe for three months or just move to a more expensive city because that's where I want to be. And so if I set up my systems now, I'm going to see the fruit of that work for years and years to come, not just in the decisions I'm, uh, I'm seeing today. I love it. Nuan, I think that's amazing insight. And honestly, I'm super glad that we're talking about this at all, because I think my only final piece of advice would be talk to somebody. I think a lot of people feel like they should know, they don't know, and they don't know who to talk to. And I've found that financial advisors are fine. They can help with a piece of the puzzle, but mentors are better. And I've really enjoyed the value of mentorship over my life. I don't know if you have any recommendations for who people should talk to, but if they don't know what we're talking about, where do you go? That's a really great question. Uh, I'll just say sunlight is the best disinfectant. So if you are going to be transparent about such an important area of your life, you need to be transparent with people you can trust. So I found uh, mentors uh, in my family. I've been blessed to have parents and aunts and uncles who have a, a healthy perspective on this. I found mentors in my work environment, folks who have experience navigating finances and kids, folks have experienced navigating career changes. Uh, I found mentors in my religious community, uh, folks who are just one or two steps further than me who can give me some level of insight. I think one of the mistakes I made early on in my career when I was looking for mentors is thinking that one person had to know everything about everything to be so able to help good. me. I just needed that person to be one or two steps ahead of me in one area of my life. And my goal has been over the last 10 years to build a kitchen cabinet of advisors, people can, who can advise me on different topics uh, and who don't necessarily have to be an, like an expert in everything, but they can just be a little bit smarter than me in one area. And that's good enough for me to be able to leverage their insight and their knowledge. Well, now we'll turn it over to you. You might have more insight than what we even talked about today. So if you've got a favorite financial product, something that you absolutely love, a person that you found really helpful, a book that you've read, please leave a comment for everybody else to hear about. We'd love to get the community's perspective on this, but thanks for asking the questions. We're super happy to have this conversation.